I heartily endorse this event or product. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Talk to the Audience, where this is always death. I am one of your hosts, Bob Mackey, who is here with me today. Uh, onward opening night viewer, Henry Gilbert. Ooh, one of a select few. Yes. And in case you don't know, this is our community podcast where we talk about news that's happening in the Simpsons world and in our world. And we also respond to your questions and comments up on the Patreon. And of course, this is the final Talking Simpsons of every month. If you're on the Patreon, it's the first one of every month if you're on the uh, free feed. Yeah, so uh, welcome, everybody, uh, one way or another. We got yes. a ton of new signups this month. So thank you if you're a new patron, and I'm really happy with all the new people coming on board. Uh, I believe after the the Chapo episode launch, a lot of new people jumped on, and uh, we wrote a little post up saying, you know, welcome to the podcast, welcome to the Patreon. Here is, you know, how to access everything, and here's all the stuff you get. So if you're still on board, hello and welcome, and we hope mm-hmm. you enjoy this community podcast. But other than that, what a normal month. Yeah. What a normal month. Not much to talk Nothing about. Nothing eventful. Yeah. And and just continuing about our normal everyday lives. <laughs> Wrong. No, no. no. Uh, the the February community podcast feels like thirty years ago. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. And to be upfront, like we're talking about the COVID nineteen uh, pandemic. We're talking about quarantine, and we have been like our. We had like a little talk uh, before an episode. Henry and I agreed that we don't want to bring it up on podcasts mm-hmm. because we want these to be timeless in a way, but we also don't want to bum you out. And we hear we hear a lot from people saying, you know, your podcast help us in times of need. And I turned the podcast for that too. Oh yeah. So. Um, uh, we don't want to talk about it that much, but here we're going to talk about it because yeah. um, this is our current events yeah. uh, podcast. So may as well it be impossible to talk about what our lives have been like in the last month without mentioning the the quarantines and self isolations and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, I mean we're in California, and that's when the uh, one of the first big lockdowns happened, right? Oh, Bay Area, especially. Bay Area, yes. I think the Bay the Bay Area lockdown even before LA did. Now I I know. You know, it's different, like, state by state in some cases, but ours was one of the first of, like, self-isolate, lockdown, like, uh, but... You know, we are lucky in that Bob lives very close to me, and mm-hmm. it's really easy to just come in and record. And boy, have we been recording it up here. Yes, yeah. uh, we're extremely fortunate and privileged to say that our lives have not changed that much, and I feel incredibly lucky. We are so lucky. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah. I am miserable for other reasons, but I never want to complain because I know a lot of people are losing their jobs and their health care, and uh, our lives have not changed that much. And we've also been more productive because trips got canceled for us. I can't go to Canada for for the moment because the border shut down. So we're just kind of diving into work head first because uh, it's a nice distraction. And so far we've worked ahead until like May yeah. on Talking Simpsons. We, we just recorded uh, Krusty Gets Busted, which will be up in May. We just recorded it right before this podcast. Yeah. And uh, we still record in person just to let you guys know we're being incredibly safe. Mm-hmm. We don't want to put anyone at risk. Um, I still, when I'm not recording, I still try to walk four or five miles every day to keep myself sane. And thankfully I live in a quiet residential neighborhood where it's easy to see people coming. And people are very considerate and uh, I'm able to get exercise and also come to Henry's without encountering very many people. I'm never in a crowded place. No, no. I'm, I'm constantly washing my hands. I've got hand washing protocol. Like the second I step in the house, wash my hands, then I put on kitchen gloves, then I handle everything I brought home with me, and then I wash the gloves. Wait, no, no. First, I wipe off the doorknob that I used to get into the place, oh. and then I take off the gloves. Oh. And No, wait, wait. Before I take off my gloves, I also wipe off my phone. Oh, wow. 
yes. man, I boy, you're putting me to shame with the amount of cleanliness. It's turning me that. into somebody with like a compulsion now. <laughs> just like that's unclean. That's unclean. <laughs> that, that description sounded like the uh, the guy who worked in the UCB. Uh, it's like that I use my using my hands, using my gloves, <laughs> holding a, a Lysol wipe, and I've uh, also had to train myself. This is I'm sorry, this is boring. I've also had to train myself to not take my phone out when I walk. Uh, so now I got to yeah. be locked into a podcast because after I touch doorknobs and you know traffic signals and stuff, I don't want to then be touching my phone. So I have I've somehow trained myself to like I always want to look at Twitter when I'm at a light or something like that or when I'm walking. I stop doing that. You know they say in the the official California government warnings they say like you know obviously self isolate, don't go into crowded areas. You know don't go to no restaurants open in our area now anyway. And but you know keep do social distancing. But it also does say like you know get outside and walk or like walk your dogs as long as you're maintaining the you know the self-isolation standards and the distances from people yeah they they don't want people cooped up inside all day if they can help it just yeah yeah i see some people out there uh, misunderstanding what this means and like being very scoldy about it like i better not see you outside Mm. i think mental health is also super important and you're going to go insane if you're not getting like vitamin d and exercise like i think it's a big part of you know staying healthy during this time of misery for a lot of folks well and also if you have like a pet you need to walk your dog that too like, yeah you need to get them outside you know I, you know obviously there are the people you know those those videos of people like well i gotta do th- uh, st patrick's day it's whatever man or like the the people at the spring break beaches that is like a a selfish action being done by people who don't care if they spread stuff but yeah as long as you're observing the social distancing stuff and key and and taking care like you can go outside and exercise you know though this also has gotten me to uh i've picked up ring fit again i've been doing a bit more of that to to stay active in the house you know it's also it's been different uh that my husband's been home the whole time he has an office job but he works from home now and uh for the foreseeable future so uh you know uh, i think uh i just feel bad for him his bed the bedroom for him is the i live in a one bedroom place and so the living room is this work area and he works in the bedroom pretty much most days but he, he likes it he likes it yeah like i said we're super fortunate to have already been working from home and Very to be so, in a yeah. business that never depended on uh the certain things that business businesses are depending on now you know yeah yeah so uh we are super lucky and we're glad you folks are still sticking with us and we hope to keep you you entertained but yeah we're just trying not to mention it too much because i mean uh i i'm a fan of gallows humor but when it comes to this i'm kind of sick of it and uh it's happening on every podcast i got just i i don't want to hear about like it's the end of the world or oh we're all gonna die like i don't want to hear that kind of thing and i don't want to make those kind of jokes because it sucks it's like we're in a really good position but we would be a lot happier if you know we could like leave more or like see other people or go to like a restaurant what a fun idea (laughs) what for for me watch wrestling shows on television yeah yeah uh, i mean technically wrestling hasn't stopped but they're just kind of a bring down to watch without an audience like it just feels weird but uh, yeah yeah and now i know the pain of the jocks who are just like the nba the ufc it's all gone like my fake sports are gone too and every night i sing somewhere out there thinking about canada (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah open the border just for me you could test me as much as you want i was about to watch a uh, they were doing a screening of a goofy movie here that bill farmer was gonna host no way yeah okay but, uh, that didn't happen not uh, no more my, yeah. my husband had a funny joke of saying like uh 
they have to cancel this. Like, don't kill Goofy. Don't make Bill Farmer yeah. go out in public. He's he's in his sixties now. He's compromised. Yeah. Like but yeah, like I am not going to Midwest Gaming Classic. I was supposed to leave uh, this Thursday as of the posting of this. I was going to be gone. I'm not going to Portland Retro Gaming Expo. I'm probably not going to go to Vancouver at the end of uh, April. So so many things have been canceled. I, <sighs> I'm sure uh, things of greater consequence are probably canceled for you. So I apologize if that, if that happened. But yeah, our lives have just been very different. But just very solitary and just you know tunnel vision working on podcasts for us yeah at the very least uh, i think by the end of april we'll have recorded everything for to september I yes think, of so nothing else better happen <laughs> yeah no, in when in fact things happen every single hour and it feels uh it can be overwhelming at times so i yeah i guess to wrap up the the current news situation talk i i hope that we can help you guys get through that as as podcasts have done for us in this in this last month yeah and as of now there will be no interruptions in uh, the content we're putting on. In fact, we had to delay one of our things, but it's still happening. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, and yes. uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to make tons of stuff for you guys, unless something more serious happens in California or the Bay Area that makes us impossible. I mean, who knows? But we are more than prepared and we're working very far ahead so we don't miss anything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I guess in, in Simpsons news in oh, the last God. month... <laughs> Some good news. Uh, yeah, well, so funnily enough, a day after after our last community podcast where I said no Simpsons on Disney Plus in the UK, it was announced that deals were made and Disney's corporation uh, got away with it and they got the Simpsons on the UK and European Disney Plus, which went live uh, about two weeks ago. And uh, the only other news I read about that is uh, seeing now the British takes on hating the aspect ratio. It's the new, they uh, the wave of it has hit them. And they're like, what the fuck's this aspect ratio, mate? It's bullocks. It's bullocks, mate. It's, oh, I had to go up a lift in a lorry up to the loo <laughs> just to get away from this. <laughs> uh, spotted dick? Yeah. That's a thing. I, I was spit out me spotted dick while watching this with me Earl Grey. <laughs> hmm. I was having a bit of a pint, eh? Yeah. Uh, now I want some HP sauce on something. <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I feel for our friends over the Atlantic who are also cursed with the aspect ratio. I was really hoping when, like, we're five months ago, they launched Disney+. Plus. By now, they would have the good aspect ratio available on there, but still, no. I want to hear a British person do an American accent and make fun of us like you just did with <laughs> British people. Like, hello, I want to watch a football game and eat a hamburger. <laughs> I was so mad at watching the baseball match. <laughs> uh, yes, and we have more Apu news, right? The Apu uh, news yes. won't stop it coming. I mean, is it is it wrong of me to say, like, can we just stop, like, have no more comments about this? I mean, how much do uh, yeah. we need to clarify? I, I, I think I agree with these guys when they're like yes we would have recast him uh hank's not gonna play him anymore like that's all good it's like do we need to stop talking we need to keep talking about this yeah i i maybe there will come a point where i'll stop updating this but every month oh. there's there's a new quote i'm not mad at you henry it. yeah. it's just it's just weird that this is still news well i think there's still you get a lot of clicks when you have a new statement about apu so anytime like in this case uh algene gave a new interview to radio times which is a british publication 
to promote Disney Plus coming out there. And of course, they're going to ask him about Apu, among other things. And yeah, Al Jean had a new Apu comment, which I'll just read in quotes here. Okay. If we were casting the character now, we'd cast someone who is ethnically correct to play Apu. The way we always wrote him, though, was as a hardworking, thoughtful family man who is smarter than everyone else in Springfield. The majority of the jokes were about Springfield not appreciating what a gem he is. So we're proud of him. I, uh, end quote. I, you know, yes. I wouldn't completely rewrite the history of a poo like that, though, because yeah. I feel like it's a real 70-30 where like 70% of the jokes are, uh, you know, a poo is very, a very hardworking immigrant and underappreciated, but 30% of the jokes are he's like Balky. He's like yeah. a, a weirdo with a weird culture. Yeah, yeah. They And it's not, yeah, I, but at least he, you know, ethnically correct. That feels like the new way of saying politically correct. I don't know if that's his complaint, but at least he's recognizing that recasting Apu is probably a good idea, but I wonder if we'll ever see Apu again. Yeah. Then, you know? I don't know. I mean, yeah, I just, uh, I would also walk back that proud of him thing. I mean, yeah. Apu was not our nation's moment of shame or whatever, and he was salvaged by a lot of writers, but uh, pride is a l- less pride. Yeah, well, well, you know, a year ago, Al Jean was one of the most, like, defensive on Twitter yeah. about it, like, in, in um, you know, unappealing ways, I'd say, and I think he has learned to step back from that, but I think when he says things like, we're proud of him, it's his way of saying, like, I refuse to apologize, like, yeah. we did nothing wrong. But we all learned from our friend Jack Allison what happens when you question a showrunner. Oh, yeah, showrunner. Fear the, fear the showrunners. <laughs> showrunners don't like hearing that they were wrong about anything. No, especially if you've been running a show for 20 years. Uh, in the full Radio Times interview, it's a, it's a nice one. Uh, Al Jean also, because it's a British pub- publication, was asked like, would you want to have Meghan Markle on your show? And of course, he's like, oh, we'd love to have her on. Give us a call, Meghan. She defected from Canada recently. Oh, really? To Did go she... to L.A. Oh, she's in L.A. now? I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, Meghan Markle's like the bride of the prince, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah they left yeah. Canada because of fear of the virus, but they came oh, here, mm. which it's, it's way worse. Yeah, Los Angeles is virus town, way more than like Toronto or I think they, they just didn't like in. Toronto. <laughs> oh, but they were at least staying in a place that like the queen kind of is the boss of, unlike mm. here with us rowdy uh, colonials. You know, also it's funny, this is right after Boris Johnson has announced that he has uh, the virus and... Uh, uh, and I won't say more. I'll just stop <laughs> there on that. Uh, and and also Al Jean uh, did, was asked like, hey, how's the production going right now? He said, you know, in this current work from home scenario that they are still working on the show and production has not halted from it. So there's that. Also in the news, Bill Oakley, speaking to former showrunners of the show, uh, he did an article for The Hollywood Reporter uh, where he was refuting people on the internet using the Osaka flu story from the episode he co-wrote margin chains he said for nefarious purposes meaning like fully racist anti-asian uh sentiment so it's a, it's a really interesting interview with the hollywood reporter if you like to see bill oakley's views on a bad uh memeing of the simpsons with the the osaka flu storyline I mean, yeah, I read a bit of that, and he was like, we made it super silly and over the top, like a virus could survive for eight weeks in a box and then rove around the town like a cloud. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, and it was definitely not, I, I don't believe it was meant with anti-Asian sentiment either uh, when they wrote it, which is sadly going around all too much right now. Uh, yeah, with with the COVID-19. Uh, but yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting read to hear 
hear Bill Oakley talk about it. It's kind of a sequel to him talking about the Sideshow Bob defense in regard to the uh, oh yeah the impeachment, which can I think that impeachment was less than two months ago. Like that's how long this 2020. <laughs> hey, the important thing is it worked. It definitely worked. <laughs> yeah, You'll always be an impeached president. Even not a still not a huge waste of everyone's time. No, 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 no. I'm just I, I bet Dan Graney is glad he's no longer asked about things anymore. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's ensconced from uh, from questions. He he gave us our one interview with him where we had to ask him about the yeah, Trump of course. too. Yeah. Well, that episode just hit its 20th anniversary, I believe. Wow, too. you're right. Bart to the future. Yeah. We're going to get to it soon. <laughs> oh yeah, look forward to it once we're once we're past season one. It's season eleven coming soon with Bart to the future. Uh, speaking of new episodes of The Simpsons, uh, I didn't watch any from this month other than the March 22nd episode, Highway to Well. I don't know if you checked that one out yourself, Bob. Uh, I watched it on Hulu. It uh, was written by Carolyn Omine, who mm. is uh, one of my favorite writers and a staunch Bernie Sanders supporter, so I really like her. She uh, wrote the episode that is entirely about pot. It is a new marijuana episode of The Simpsons, and it really charms how different things are now because it's about the big business of pot they uh, they identify early in the episode that weed is legal in the state in which springfield huh. is, occupies and uh, marge works for a fancy apple store style pot distributor that is run by Dredrick tatum who they oh wow and they draw Dredrick tatum with a mike tyson face tattoo and i'm uh, honestly there i want to give it the biggest compliment because they i would have fully expected simpsons to just have it be mike tyson but to have it be specifically Dredrick tatum and have it be about his history i i like that though if you think about it in a timeline perspective maggie is still a baby and Dredrick tatum has gone from a young boxer to a retired boxer in the universe of the simpsons that is crazy it's funny this comes almost 18 years after their other pot episode they did really uh, weekend at burnsies yeah, where right. homer gets medicinal marijuana i want to see the differences and just what the culture thinks of it oh it's changed a whole lot yeah it really has i mean like between then and now then any civilian with like a driver's license can just get an app and have weed brought to them yeah in yeah. many forms yeah the uh that's at least in california in california <laughs> yeah in other that, states that's some of the best jokes in the episode is that otto goes to the apple store style fancy weed place and he's offended by it he's just like i just i want weed and they're like oh so do you want to feel more like a face high because uh, you know and they just give him all the purchasing options and he rejects it otto's like i wanted to feel scuzzy and gross this is it makes me sad so he then works with mo to create a dispensary that feels like an uh, old school funny. Uh, purchase it's i like that idea i mean idea. when i go i don't want to have a conversation you know <laughs> yes yeah. i just like what what gets you high okay i'll take yeah, it give me the thing that makes me high yeah and there's there's also uh, the funniest joke in the episode is they parody the jack-in-the-box munchy meals or whatever. Mm. Uh, it's that Krusty Burger is selling, like, if you're feeling the munchies <laughs> late at night for some reason, then you should come here. It's high time you tried it. Get it? Get it? Get it? 
It's funny. It's good. And the uh, I like it. I'd give it a C plus episode. It is focused on Marge. Marge works at the dispensary. And uh, J- uh, sorry, not Jay or Silent Bob. Uh, Kevin Smith is in it. Kevin Smith himself is in there. It's uh, another. I won't spoil that joke, but there's a pretty good joke with him and in, in a one line appearance. But the major guest stars are uh, Billy Porter and Chelsea Peretti playing. Uh, Billy Porter basically plays himself if he worked at a pot store, while Chelsea Peretti plays a hot alternative girl who checks ID. Hmm. Uh, but yeah it's uh as far as modern day simpsons episode goes i think it was a pretty good one interesting yeah i guess i i was saying on an earlier episode i was surprised kevin smith wasn't on the show when he was at his biggest yeah in terms yeah. of fame and <laughs> yes. uh they mentioned there's like a reference to him in a 2003 episode homer calls maggie silent bob like oh, right. it was in three gays of the condo i looked it up on frankie x so oh. like when i was a kid and probably still liking kevin smith in 2003 when i was a kid when i was 21 and could buy <laughs> liquor and go to war um i was like oh kevin smith Smith, I wonder if he'll be on the show and 17 years later here we are yeah yeah it's uh now when he's more famous as a pot master than uh, as a comedy writer or director and uh, I guess last thing I'll mention is that this month too I watched Onward in theaters when I uh I it was the last movie I saw in theaters for the time being but I wanted to see it on opening day so I could see Playdate with Destiny the Simpsons short that preceded it and report back to you wonderful folks my uh, feeling is uh, very well done but uh, high quality direction by david silverman and his team but too cutesy poo that's uh that's my feeling on it uh that the the best part about it is not even playdate with destiny there's a gag that precedes it that is like disney welcomes the simpsons and it's kind of a parody of how a 40s mickey mouse short would begin like mm. with a you know cross-hatched background of a walt disney presents mickey mouse shorts kind of thing it's it was clever i'm so sick of those jokes i'm not mm. trying to be a bring down but i can't believe that disney if that's the last one i'm okay with it disney and the simpsons could you believe <laughs> it all uh but they well okay i like this as a parody or as a tip of the hat to theatrical short disney history i like like that <laughs> though i didn't like in the gracie logo how mickey mouse was there in they put that there's a joke well meanwhile playdate with destiny it basically is just a sequel to the longest daycare it's a uh dialogue free maggie adventure that's full of funny drawings there's some really great like crazy maggie poses that look fully like a david silverman drawing but i just think it's just too cute i just i don't if i'm gonna see a simpson short it'd be nice to see one with the other funny characters i guess at the very least maggie gets such short shrift on the show i i kind of like the concept that the theatrical shorts are purely maggie's domain and everybody else is a silent supporting character in her shows uh but it's okay and oh and sorry last thing oh. about it they credit like nine writers on a dialogue free short somebody wants to get that oscar if they it wins, all want right? to win that oscar yes yeah, that's what I, it's about i gotta say it's so weird so uh this will go up on wednesday or tuesday night rather and then friday that's when onward will be on disney plus oh right so fast it came yeah. to, i mean because of obvious circumstances but it's so weird because i was in uh disneyland and california adventure in uh mid to late February before Onward even came out. Right. I was like, oh, this is the new movie. Weird. All this merch is everywhere. And now, barely a month later, it's on Disney Plus. Crazy, <laughs> crazy times. These are crazy times. Yeah. And I wouldn't, Onward's a 
fine movie. It's fine. It's good. It, it isn't. There's a reason it's called Disney Pixar's onward and not just Pixar's because Disney has more input and I think it's like less good than a great Pixar film, but there's still some good stuff in it. I couldn't stop seeing myself as the uh, older brother character in it thanks to being owned so hard by Nina Matsumoto about how <laughs> you and I uh, look like the oh dudes yeah. In it. yeah yeah that, that's good I do like that yeah. uh, from the director of Monsters University <laughs> so when you folks watch Onward imagine the brothers in it as me and Bob as mm-hmm. well and uh, I think you'll find more similarities than you expect the, the short should be on Disney Plus too right I'd hope if they so put, if they put Onward on there I haven't heard one way or the other when if it's on there but it definitely should be if onward gets to be on there it should too so we're getting some podcast news news about us so talking mission hill we pushed it a little bit because we wanted to build up a lot of episodes just in case we can't leave or you know things get uh you know the conditions change outside or whatever happens happens we're living in a completely unpredictable time so we want to build up as much content as possible before we start releasing it so so talking mission hill will start april 22nd with our free posting of episode one in the talking simpsons patreon feed yes Yes. that will be the talk Talking Simpsons episode of that week. First on the free feed on April 22nd. And then two days later, episode two will hit the Patreon on Friday. And then every Friday after that, there will be a new episode of Talking Mission Hill on the Patreon for $5 and up people. So the first one is uh, free to anyone who's not on the Patreon. But after that, episodes two to what, 12 or 12 or 13? 13 will be only available on Patreon. Sort of like what we've done with every one of these so far. So you should know like with King of the Hill, we did that uh, first yeah, and same yeah. with Futurama, and uh, actually the first two episodes of Critic were regular Talking Simpsons episodes. But it fits, too, just in our timeline thing, pretty much, because um, had we not done season one and gone straight into season 11, we still, like we did with the pilot for Family Guy, we would have done the first episode of Mission Hill, which premiered right before beyond blunderdome like i think that like three days before it was like friday and sunday for beyond blunder no you're right about that yeah yeah so uh it fits with we would have done it anyway had mission hill not won but because it won we're giving you the first one for free as a regular episode with our uh returning guest i'll just say now mr matt jay on that first episode because he uh he is a big time fan of mission hill he did an interview with bill oakley where he bill oakley revealed things he'd never said about mission hill before so yes look forward to that start Starting April 22nd on the Patreon for $5 and up, folks. And we're doing a new thing with our movie poll. for. Yes. Uh, so if you're a $5 and up patron, you can vote on it. But only $10 and up people can actually listen to the whole thing. So instead of doing it when we normally do it, we're now holding the vote a week early just so we can give ourselves more time to actually produce that podcast. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, the old practice was... The first of the month, the poll for the movie would go live and it would end on the night of the 7th. But, you know, looking back on it now, uh, it, it does make more sense to finish, have it start in the last week of the preceding month. So then we go into the next month knowing what the movie will be and yeah. letting you folks know all about it, too. We can put it on the schedule, too. Yeah. So the movie is super. Uh, pro- so the What a Cartoon Movie podcast, super production heavy. For me personally, I need like four days. Yeah. So like yeah. two days of prep, one day to record and then we can't do anything after that because it's like a four <laughs> to five hour recording and we're just kind of wiped out so yeah. it takes up a lot of time
time and it kind of it wasn't a good situation to have the choice fall in the middle of the month and not have a lot of time left to figure out where to put that four days of space yeah yeah so now this uh this buys us more time and uh uh we've had you know the normal amount of people voting on the poll already uh at the time you hear this on the patreon it should still be live because we didn't start it exactly at the end of the month going forward though like in april it will be the poll will go live one week before the first so that way on the first we'll know what the movie is though in this case uh unless things really change in the voting we know what the movie's going to be castle of cogliostro of the four miyazaki films is way in the front i'm so excited about that i can't wait to yes this one is going to be one of the ones i produce uh and i am really looking forward to it too i i already did a lot of uh miyazaki research for me kiki's delivery service mm. but now it's time to talk about the the great grandson of arsene lupin uh non that's a non-legal clarification right yes yeah <laughs> uh, i think i think he's in public domain finally arsene. yeah i think he finally is yeah. uh let's talk about the what a cartoon schedule man this is a great month what uh, a month an yeah amazing month we got big news for you listeners if you haven't checked out the schedule yet on the website yes you might have seen it already but uh so the, for the first week of april last year we did a live action cartoon because monday happened to be april 1st mm-hmm. so we're doing that again even though the timing doesn't match up because it's just a fun thing to do so i believe the first First week of every April from here on out will just be us doing a live action cartoon. And finally, my dream has come true. My life's mission. I finally was able to make an Adventures of Pete and Pete's podcast. <laughs> and it's it's great. Like It's so good. I, it's, yeah. it's on the Patreon right now, like behind the scenes. I uploaded it. And it's two hours and 45 minutes long. Woo. And yes, that'll be launching on the 6th, I believe. Yeah. So look forward to it uh, very soon on the Patreon or, you know, uh, in the past, if you're listening to this on the free feed. Yeah. I Boy, it was fun to talk about adventures of pete and pete yes we had a lot of fun and uh again i've always wanted to do that and i finally did and, and like i don't know what we'll do next year but yeah the first week of every april we'll do a live action thing it's just a lot of fun and uh, then the next one timed for well the 13th on the patreon feed but 420 on the free feed uh chosen by one of our premium patrons cartoon all stars to the rescue we're finally doing it. a very shameful cartoon that nobody likes <laughs> and it's so embarrassing but so much fun to talk about it's the greatest crossover in animation history other than roger rabbit all for the most narky of purposes it's uh, it's delightful propaganda about one of the most harmful movements in uh, the world yep yeah <laughs> the war on drugs good good times good times but kermit was all behind it I'll catch you later, okay? <laughs> I got a baseball game. <laughs> uh, and then after that, another patron choice, Revolutionary Girl Utena, the first two episodes. We've, uh, boy, that was a fun one to do. We just, uh, this one has been recorded already. And uh, I, you know, we touched on it a little bit in our Sailor Moon podcast, but now we get fully into Sword Lesbian Town with uh, with this. And it's, it's a much deeper series than I had remembered it. I really loved exploring that uh, series for that episode and uh, very likely after that will be our free preview of the castle of cogliostro what a cartoon movie which uh you know will get boning up on your lupon right now i think 
at least in the U.S., I believe Cagliostro is on Netflix, so you can check it out there. But yeah, I wanted to clarify for Mission Hill again because it's a little more complex than our normal schedule. So it'll be up April 22nd on the Patreon, April 29th on the free feed. And if you're on the free feed listening to it, you can immediately unlock episode two because it yes. will have posted the previous Friday. So That's yes, right. yes, yeah. it'll, it'll all make sense <laughs> once it's all posted. Don't worry. But the important thing is we're doing it. It's going to be just for patrons and we'll give you a free taste of the first episode as a little bonus. And uh, before we get to the comments, one more thing. I really liked doing it last month is sharing a clip from our Jake Hogan interview. If you guys uh, haven't listened to a lot of our classic interviews with Simpsons folks, you're missing out on some really good stuff. Uh, so I'm going to put in another like best of clip in here. Uh, you guys can enjoy. We talked to David Silverman a little over a year ago about, you know, the early days of season one, uh, among many other topics. And I think it's really cool to listen to right now. So if you haven't heard it before, if you're not a $5 paid, Here's a little tease of uh, of our interview with David Silverman. So you moved on from directing shorts to directing uh, full-length TV episodes, and you directed five of the 13 in season one. Uh, that sounds like a ton of work, and I'm just curious as to how you handled the increase in workload, because it sounds like you're already working pretty hard on the shorts. Yeah. I, I guess I did it through youthful exuberance. Yeah, both Wes and I were made into directors. You know, basically, we were you, like, you guys ready to direct? And we looked at each other and said, sure, why not? Um, we can do that. It was interesting because neither one of us had directed anything other than our own shorts. Uh, he, you know, at uh, Cal Arts, Jack Mack and Radboy Go, and me at UCLA, uh, the strange case of Mr. Donnie Brooks Boredom and Mariner Man. We hadn't really directed much beyond it, but we kind of realized we were basically co-directing uh, the shorts. And uh, you know, no, no, no slight or offense to Gabor Chupa, but we were basically putting them together, boarding them, and then animating them and timing them. So that pretty much is directing. Mm. Uh, and then <laughs> I, I kind of looked at it this way. I was thinking, well, I know, you know, I had a handle on doing a, a, a Simpson short. And I thought about, well, I'll think about each episode as a series of sequences and sort of break it down that way and just sort of focus on, okay, the sequence will go this way and this way and this way. And that modular way of thinking helped me get, get a better sense of directing the, the overall episode. Yeah, the first season, I we were basically, Wes and I were going to be directing um, there were 13 episodes. So I think it was going to, it was, and we hired another guy, and it was going to be who had experience in um, directing um, a half-hour TV. Uh, he didn't work out, as you probably heard. Mm -hmm. uh, but Wes and I were going to be directing like four episodes or something like that, uh, and each one is directing four, and then we'd figure out what to do with the the. The three of us would direct four episodes, and we were sure to do what to do with the wild card one at the time. We'd cross that bridge when we come to it. Um, <laughs> well, that would end up being Brad Bird on the. On the, the crust, he gets busted. In a sense, it was yes. Brad was actually brought in later. I'm glad he was. He was brought in when they actually when they were having trouble with this first director who was quote unquote more established, and it wasn't working out. Uh, uh, basically, Jim Brooks and Gracie Films said, "Well, we need we need we need somebody in our corner who understands animation because they weren't happy with the uh, the situation. The communication with the uh, Pulaski Chupa wasn't exactly what they were hoping." For. Hmm. So they uh, got brought in Brad Bird. Luckily, that was a great, great uh, situation for all of us. I mean, I was already enamored of uh, Family Dog, oh, yeah. the classic show on, on Amazing Stories. So I was delighted to meet him and become friends with him. But the one thing that um, this director did do is he brought in Rich Moore, 
And Rich Moore basically took over for him. Uh, Rich uh, actually boarded a good chunk of, of the Christmas special that, that became the Christmas special. It was actually the Christmas episode number eight, but it became the Christmas special when they reworked the schedule. Yeah, so basically what happened was I was supposed to direct uh, four episodes, and I ended up having to redo the first episode, Some Enchanted Evening, with the, the Babysitter Bandit. I had to uh, redo that. I was able to... I wanted to redo the whole thing, but I could only like reanimate about seventy percent of it or seventy five percent of it. Um, yeah, it's it's amazing to watch it, knowing that background on it. Like I watched it as a kid, and just like that's ah, an episode. But rewatching it, knowing that background, and also on the first DVDs are some shots from the original animation. And then when you watch it together, you're like, oh, this scene looks like it could be from season two, and then this scene looks uh, like a different show. A different show, <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I know. Exactly. Exactly. Well, there was one scene that I really wanted to redo, and I restaged it, and I re-came up with all those ideas for when Homer's uh, preparing to go out, going, Papa, 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 you know, done. A man who knows how to mambo, and then he's shaving. And that sequence I really wanted to redo. And I was very fortunate because um, I had um, uh, Eric Stefani. He was animating that. Uh, such a good animator. Uh, pretty good songwriter, I understand. He and his sister had a, a band at the time. They did pretty well, as I recall. Um, <laughs> uh, that's another. That's another interesting story. <laughs> but Eric uh, was so great. Eric had. A, I think he had worked. I think he had worked on Red and Stimpy. No, not Red and Stimpy. I'm sorry. Uh, Mighty Mouse. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. Uh, probably his IMDb. But uh, in any event, he did a. He was really great. Uh, I really loved working with him. Yeah, he was always reliable. He drew really well. I recall you had brought him back to help with drawing Mojo the monkey in uh, season nine, right? I think possibly, but I, you know, season nine, believe it or not, I wasn't involved because I was. I think I was a DreamWorks by that time. Oh, okay. I, I have I have no input on seasons nine, ten, eleven, and twelve, hmm. and Mike Scully did forgive me but he really wants me to come back <laughs> very nice of him but he was in good hands with jim reardon as a as a, a supervising director oh, yeah. mighty good hands i must say <laughs> Did you feel in those early years that, like, uh, the the writers, you know, uh, who had all come from live action pretty much, do you think they were learning as, uh, as much about li- working on cartoons as you guys were learning about uh, doing primetime animation? I think so. I think we all were. I mean, the, the, the good news was that, you know, Sam Simon worked in uh, Saturday Morning, so he had some knowledge and experience of it. But his most his biggest knowledge and his takeaway for working in, in Saturday morning animation was, this is all terrible. <laughs> <laughs> He's right. This is terrible, and the people in charge of us having us write this way are terrible, and there must be a better way to do animation. <laughs> so he was definitely the right man for the job. <laughs> but yeah, we were all we were all learning. Uh, but what was great too is it was a you know it was this whole group of people who had a different way of thinking about comedy, and a network that was willing to take a chance with a different approach to comedy that was more subversive. Married with Children as a you know that was also on the network and it had the same had a similar vibe to it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a bit, a bit, you know, I guess basically sort of subversing the the traditional you know comedy uh, tropes. You know, it all kind of, it was actually everything sort of kind of aligned at the same time. And even Sam said that he said, you know, this is, you know, this was, this is when we were, when it was clear that our show was a hit, which was almost immediate as soon as it premiered. And, uh, well, first the Christmas spent, what became the special happened in December. 
December uh, 17th, 1989, and then the show wow. premiered in January 14th, 1990. And it became like an instant hit. And But anyhow, Sam was saying, guys, this is lightning in a bottle. I mean, you get the same team together, you're not going to replicate the same magic. Uh, it just it just happens. So don't don't look it in the mouth. Let's get into the questions and comments. So first, for Talking Simpsons, we had at the beginning of the month, which feels like 20 years ago, yep. uh, a special with our uh, buddies at Chapo Trap House, Virgil Texas and Matt Crispin. Always a good time with those guys. Mm-hmm. I was actually recording in Vancouver because I had a, a trip scheduled because I planned it before <laughs> they had planned their uh, live tour. Yeah, you missed out on the uh, live show they did, uh, unfortunately, uh, thanks to poor timing. But yeah, the uh, it was really good. I did want to mention that just because, you know, I saw a number of cool talking Simpsons fans who said hi to me uh, at that show or just like, hey, oh, I love Chapo and you guys. Ooh, a meet and greet at someone else's podcast. Yes, yeah. uh, it was it was uh, saved a lot of time that way. But yeah, that I mean, that live show is a lot of fun, too. And I, I it was great. That Matt and Virgil made time for us in between driving around in a Bernie car uh, and yelling at people to vote for Bernie. Like I, I felt so honored. Don't listen to the uh, the media. They're nice boys. They're such nice boys. They're the nicest people. The nicest. Uh, let's talk about what Batman Boy Eleven says though. Uh, as I expected, super fun episode. It's very unfortunate how pedestrian and frustrating the Simpsons politics have gotten. There were questionable elements of their views, even in the golden years, certainly. But I feel like they were at least present or in much more subtle and everyday ways. So even when it was takes that weren't funny or I disagree with, it wasn't the point of many episodes, which feels very different in the Trump era. Good points were made about them not wanting to tackle Bush because of not knowing if he was popular is a bad excuse and that it might help those episodes age better because of it. It's expected with anything slash anyone if enough time goes on, but it just sucks to see the Simpsons being so out of touch with everything. From episodes where Burns complains about SJW's ruining Yale and the show seeming to agree with him to not getting why the squad is popular and dislikes Trump. You know, everybody gets older and richer and uh, and yeah, like n- the politics of classic Simpsons aren't perfect either as we uh, discussed in that one. But it's disappointing to know that when, you know, the Simpsons had like this, Lisa give this great speech about how the police only protect property, not people. Like uh, the, 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 they never had that line on the show now. Like, oh, I yeah, feel like that yeah. would definitely not happen. I feel like as, uh, as writers age and get more money and, you know, have families and have mm. more to protect text uh they're less willing to make those sort of statements yeah yeah Yeah. that's why you know dave merkin though he was older and richer but he didn't have kids and i think that's why he was anti-cop and he still doesn't yeah bring that childless (laughs) crank back more often i mean i think he's like a one a day one a week kind of guy yeah like uh mike reese and uh well he's working on a youtube show now i know or at least that was the news last year who knows what he's up to now but also brian horton said about that episode on the subject of characters running for political office in sitcoms Brian Horton said, Jimmy James running for president on news radio is my favorite millionaire billionaire running for political office story in a sitcom. His motives weren't evil. He was just lonely. Also, bless the hearts and Duncanville are fine, and I hope people give them a chance. I wouldn't put either up against the best episodes of American Dead yet, but they are better than any episode of something like Border Town. And while I haven't given bless the hearts a chance, I watched some more Duncanville, and I do like it. It's hmm. not—I mean, it's—it's it's a nice show. It's I'll a nice it show. Out. It's uh, yeah, it's easy. It's easy background putting on for sure. Was there some recent? Uh, you sent me a story, but it was the middle of me working on something. And I forgot to look at it. Was Greg Daniels talking? 
about a King of the Hill like reboot or something? Oh yeah, there was a new interview with uh, Greg Daniels, and somebody asked him like, "Would you bring back the series?" Has there been talk about it? And he did say that like two years ago, him and Judge presented an idea to Fox for rebooting king of the hill but he said it didn't really go anywhere mm. and then in the interview he's like well now disney owns it so i'd have to repitch it all over again to disney and who knows what that'll happen but uh when he said two years ago i was like well it was basically two years ago that that table read uh we went to that's that. true i i think we both agreed when we were at it like they talked about doing a reboot over dinner. They definitely, this is, was all of them talking about just, it. Uh, whenever I see a show like uh, bless the hearts, I'm like, why can't they just bring back King of the Hill? Yeah. Yeah. It can still yeah. be funny. Oh, and it's, it's an unknown brand. And yeah, like, I guess it really has to be Mike judge wants to do it. And Greg Daniels wants to do it. But yeah, cause like Silicon Valley's over, right? Yeah. And yeah. Greg Daniels, I think he had some Netflix show, but like, uh, I guess really they would need to find somebody to be the day-to-day showrunner on that because both of them are probably too busy to maybe if they just did like six to 10 episodes, they could do that in a year. But uh, I could see, you know, Greg Daniels and, and Mike judge are very big time Hollywood uh, producers, but, and also yes, Brian Horton, the Jimmy James storyline of him running for president in news radio ruled. I loved that. Remember the joke about his badly translated biography or whatever. Oh, yes. Yeah. Donkey man comes to, yeah. Something yeah. like that. <laughs> uh, let's talk about call of the Simpsons. So uh, our buddy Thad Kamarowski says, I think you guys are a little too used to the quote unquote, modern way of doing boards which have to function as layouts since that department never exists these days mm. in the best productions where layout existed it was totally possible for one guy to board a whole 20 minute episode on their own every time one of those nickelodeon remember this one videos pops up with a first season spongebob animatic every browbeaten pro is like hey look this is two minutes with only 50 drawings remember these days <laughs> board artists have been a rut for a long time now that's a good clarification i think that for because yeah, when we when I look at a list of two borders for a 22 minute episode, I do just think about it from the stance of what I know borders do on current Cartoon Network productions. But so now I know why all those character layout credits are so much longer than borders on classic Simpsons. Oh, boy. I mean, yeah, that's why modern boards are so much uh, cleaner. Mm. like so clean because they have to use those drawings as layout a lot of the time yeah, yeah. and uh, i was looking at uh wes archer's um instagram check it out it's archer mation and he's been slowly posting every storyboard from moaning lisa and they are i mean he's a great artist and they convey what they need to convey but they are so simple mm. and like each picture covers so much time in a shot so that way then when the layout artists get it that's where each specific pose and movement or yeah. camera move uh, actually gets it expounded upon it's just like a guide for the layout people to be like well here like do a better version of this like mm. here is the foundation of the scene i want you to create with more defined characters and, and background and stuff like that yeah no that makes a lot more sense uh also about that episode 16 ounce mouse says when hurricane harvey hit houston holy alliteration batman <laughs> in 2017 entire neighborhoods were flooded while i was drinking and going stir crazy trapped in my house my co-worker brent was up to his waist in flood water evacuated 
evacuating his family. Once safe, he went back to his neighborhood in a borrowed boat and helped evacuate others and whatever possessions they could carry. Weeks later, his neighbor came by to thank him and asked if he was a fan of The Simpsons or King of the Hill. Brent responded that he likes both but is a huge Simpsons fan. His neighbor handed him a framed cell from Call of the Simpsons. Ends up that they have them all over their flooded house because their neighbor's son is none other than Wes Archer. Sometimes good deeds do get rewarded. Uh, And Brent, his friend Brent added, I think it was King of the Hill, but it may have been Futurama. I stopped listening after I heard the word Simpsons. That's right. I grew up in Texas. Yeah. You know what? I think that I think he did mean King of the Hill. If this was Wes Archer stuff, Wes Archer, to my knowledge, did not work on Futurama. So he would have said King of the Hill yeah. if this is stuff from Wes he Archer. Might have, he may have done like a few little things, but he was supervising director of King of the Hill. Yeah. He was too busy on yeah. that, I would figure. But man, that's, you know, help. If you see an old person and you want to help them, you might get lucky and they're related to a Simpsons director. First ask them if they're related to any animation celebrities (laughs) and then help them. Before I take care of this burning building. (laughs) What's uh, in it for me? (laughs) But man, a framed cell from not any Simpsons, but a season one episode. Man, that is a gift. That is an amazing gift. So uh, yes, good deeds are rewarded. A good thing to remember in this time of crisis as well. Let's move on to the Telltale Head and Sam. Hegney says, I'm from the UK and had this episode on VHS as a kid as a double feature with the following episode. Not only was Life on the Fast Lane featured under its original name of Bjorn to be Wild, but Telltale Head featured its original ending. I watched both of these episodes religiously as a kid. It was the only on-demand Simpsons media we had in the house and was shocked to discover the existence of an alternate ending on my DVD many years later. Thanks for revisiting this season with such a critical eye towards the production side. It makes this well-worn episode feel as fresh as the very first time I watch it. And you are Welcome, Sam. Yeah, yeah. And I always appreciate uh, apologies, Sam, for all my uh, British uh, impersonation earlier. But I really like hearing from, uh, you know, UK Simpsons viewers. They were not getting season one broadcast in the way we did. And it got released to them in different ways, uh, slowly (laughs) like that, including this VHS release. I'll get me Simpsons episodes from the (laughs) National Health. Caleb Khan says, newish patron, first time commenter, and longtime fan. Regarding Matt Greening having a writer's credit on Telltale Head, this might just be a coincidence, but a lot of the kids' Sunday school questions are lifted directly from a Life in Hell comic. I'm pretty sure some of them, including Bart's question about the gangrenous leg, are repeated verbatim. Hmm. I'll dig out my book when I get a chance and update this comic with which ones they are from, which to this point he has not updated yet. I but. need answers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, I guess in that way, Matt Groening wrote it in that he's like, oh, these are the funny questions to ask you there. I did it in a, I did it in a life in hell. Now put my name on that script. <laughs> Do it now. I got to cash checks. Uh, we were just, I was just listening to the Krusty Gets Busted commentary and uh, Jake Hogan has a fun passive aggressive comment to Groening about like, hey, I'm so glad we made you so rich with all those, <laughs> uh, with all that merchandise. And Matt's like, yeah, thanks. Thank you. <laughs> I do like that. I like how snarky they are sometimes. Uh, let's move on to life on the fast lane. And Darren says, in case you guys haven't seen, there's an entire episode of Scott Gardner's Moonbeam City about those goofy-ass 3D strike cartoons. It's perfect. And hey, Bob, yes, Camelot Lanes is still open. It's most likely untouched from when you were last there. I've never been, but my wife had gone a couple times growing up. Now, this is Bob speaking. Camelot Lanes was the uh, castle-shaped bowling alley 
uh, near my hometown. Mm. And uh, Darren goes on to say, by the way, they're building a sheets across from the Southern Park Mall, which is also getting a complete overhaul to hopefully make it less depressing. Although it seems like they're doing one of those quote unquote lifestyle centers deals with it. So Darren probably wrote this before people could no longer uh, leave <sighs> yeah. their houses. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling so. But I, it's nice to hear an update from Ohio. though. Yes, uh, people are still uh, still surviving. And uh, man, I've only watched a couple episodes of Moonbeam City. I need to look that one up because these cartoons that happen when you get a strike at the bowling alley were easily my favorite part of bowling. One was like the JFK assassination. Yeah. I remember. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. yeah. That's I forgot that one. Uh, we got to DM him to get some copies. Yeah, he knows the guy. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Hodgson says about life on the fast lane. Henry, buddy, you need to brush up on your late 80s, early 90s sitcoms. Peg Bundy is a poor example of a wife who dislikes sex with her husband as she is often the opposite and it's Al who wants nothing to do with her. And Danny Tanner had a girlfriend for much of Full House, Vicky, though they would write her off a bunch having by having her job relocate. I'm pretty sure she moves back to San Francisco for the finale so he can have his happy ending. And a person replied to that after saying, actually, no, she wasn't back for the finale, but they did write her into Fuller House. That surprised, like, as a Full House viewer of the time, I was like, I thought he would get married uh, by the <laughs> yeah. end. I I want to say Vicky was them adding a, a female character to the show to be like, okay, Danny Tanner is not gay. Yes, yeah, it's a case of the not gays. Uh, oh, but my owning from Joe Hodgson continues here. <laughs> PB&J is a relatable lunch for me, a dad, because you end up always keeping stock of the things your kids eat. My daughter is a routine eater and has a PB&J lunch six, if not seven days a week, so we always have it. When we run out of cold cuts or don't have any transportable leftovers, I'll resort to PB&J. It was a staple lunch for me as an adult before kids when I was just doing whatever I could to save money in order to get out of the rental situation. Uh, and yes, other people disagreed with me on the PB&J thing. Bob just watched me eat a PB&J right yes, before this. I'm he didn't not finish it. Oh, <laughs> you're selling me out here, Bob. <laughs> no, you I, will, you will. I love PB&J sandwiches. I was a lot like this guy's daughter who was uh, very set in my ways as a kid and I had it five days a week at school. It wouldn't be a school day if I didn't get a PB&J. Uh, and also, yes, Brian, you are correct. I misspoke there saying Peg Bundy was probably the last example I should have used about uh, sitcom wives hating having sex. It was a fun inversion of that idea. Yes. I, yeah. I think I last ate a PB&J maybe five to seven years ago. I just never have like bread in the house. <laughs> I'll make you one to go if you want, Bob. Ooh, to go. <laughs> uh, and also several, several people, including Thad, uh, kind of disagreed with us on our thoughts on infidelity in this. And just like, uh, I mean... So look, I will clarify that I definitely think that just because Homer gave her a bad birthday gift doesn't earn Marge the right to cheat on him. Like if she's unhappy there, then she should leave him, not like lie to him and and cheat on him with somebody else like that's also wrong too and two wrongs don't make a right and when i look back on what marge's life is i do feel bad for her and i'd like her to like at least have some fun sex with somebody other than her husband that's that's all but uh no she infidelity is bad i yeah. agree we're an anti-infidelity podcast <laughs> stay <laughs> all uh, you cheaters unsubscribe we we learned it from the classic fortune cookie of stick with your man mm -hmm. <laughs> uh let's talk about what a cartoon and our first one was street sharks what a fun episode Good that was yeah. yeah i actually listened to 
I like it's hard for me to go back and listen to our own podcast. I used to, but I just have too many podcasts to listen to. But I went back and listened to this one, and I was laughing at us. <laughs> Very uh, self-indulgent. Yeah. No, Matt McMuscles was so awesome too. Everybody, he's done a lot of cool new videos. You guys should check him out on his YouTube channel. So Cody C says, for reasons I cannot truly fathom, I had the Hammerhead puppet as a kid. I was eight, but not particularly charmed by them, as I can't remember a single goddamn thing about this cartoon. It existed. So did the Macarena. Jawsome, jobulent, jaw it happened. More footnote cartoons, please. I want to revisit sweaty toy pitches to capitulate my soul in this late stage of capitalism. <laughs> I am sure that will not be the last bad toy cartoon we talk about on here, especially not with, uh, I think Matt McMuscles will be back for another one of those. They too. want to do another Street Sharks, I bet. <laughs> yeah. Uh, or, well, Double Dragon first, I bet. But uh, also on Street Sharks, Jason Italic says, just going to put down that off the mention at the start of the episode. I actually have a real soft spot for Sherlock Holmes and the 22nd century obviously it's not a perfect show but there's a real interesting energy in that hazy point right before serialization became an expected thing that i find very compelling just goes to show how only a few years difference in age can completely change one's own media language it's very true yeah no i i just uh i turned my nose down at uh, sherlock holmes in the 22nd century i was again too busy watching x-men batman and spider-man once i had my comic book cartoon characters on tv i I didn't need non-comic book characters. And anime. Oh, and of course, anime. Up next, we have Superman, the animated series. Oh, speaking of superheroes. Yes. And uh, Joe Quigley says, Hey guys, I wanted to confirm that the Bruce Tim post you found was almost definitely the real deal. I'm assuming the post was from Toon Zone? Yes. Tim used to post there during the Justice League days. He would come into the new episode thread and give us insights and actually interact with the community as BT. It felt incredibly special to be a 16-year-old animation nerd on a pretty close-knit community and having one of your heroes, Tim, come in and discuss. I think it was for a time the only place where that canceled Batman Beyond sequel had been discussed. The main way I know it was probably him is some sort of roundabout. There was someone else on the Justice League production team who had posted anonymously but would provide really clear hints of future episodes that always came to fruition, so if BT was an impossible I feel like the other dude would have called him out on it. So, yes. Yeah. Okay. Then uh, I feel pretty safe in assuming that was Bruce Tim himself saying that heavy metal is one of his least favorite episodes. I miss those Wild West days of the internet where you'd find these creators posting on like news groups and obscure forums yeah, and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Though, uh, you know, it can always go too far as a comic fan. Uh, John Byrne once oh, was, no. he was once a very respected comic creator and then he was one of the first to create his own webpage and his forums revealed what a uh, monstrous awful person he is with every new post he did uh, and now everybody just knows him as a guy who is um, a little too into young girls yep. yeah I remember uh, talking about this probably on our Clerks the Animated Series podcast but I remember going to the VSQ forums clicking on Kevin Smith's name and just reading all of his replies yeah, to people because yeah. he would just reply to everybody on his forums he was so far ahead of the curve of being an online movie guy now we can't get away from the opinions of every director of a movie jesus christ uh also on the uh, superman comments kevin peterson says two things it was never intended as a mullet only bad artists drawing it that way dan jurgens has a lot of rants on twitter about this 
And while you briefly touched on it, Lois and Clark was on TV before this started and concurrently with the series, and it was a pretty popular show for the early seasons, around 20 million viewers, to tanking in at about four in the last season. So it wasn't like Superman wasn't around in popular media. True, the show has a black mark now, mostly because Dean Cain sucks, but it was there. Now Dean Cain is like uh, Dean Kang. Dean Cain is like Kevin Sorbo. It's like they're in the direct-to-video or direct-to-streaming Christian movies market. Yeah, he's in the, yeah. the Christian right-wing movie market, and he's he's also a right-wing Twitter man. That's uh, It's what happens when you don't get cast in anything. I mean, also, it's that... You know, if you get cast in stuff less and you already were a conservative crank, now you don't have to hide it because you're not getting hired anyway. And you can now be the most famous person in a shitty movie. Did you watch that Lois and Clark show? Uh, A lot for season two, uh, one and two. And then it became truly ridiculous and awful. Like once, once the frog clones came in, I was like, I'm out. I'm out. But, Frog clones. Oh, yes. Yeah, there were there. Well, so look, if it's a moonlighting type show where they have to keep teasing that Lois and Clark will get together, one easy out of Lois and Clark finally kissing is finding out that Lois was actually a clone the whole time oh, and it didn't really count. And they did that more than once. Jesus Christ. It was real bad. It took me until, I don't know, my 20s to realize that uh, the what's it called? Lois and Clark? The Adventures of Lois and Clark. That's yeah. a pun on Lewis and Clark. Yes. Yes, it what, is. Why? <laughs> why? Like, uh, like, what's clever about that? Uh, it sounds like something else, but it has nothing yeah. to do with the thing we're making. I, I, I guess it's just that a TV producer realized, like, oh, Lois and Clark. That's uh, that's like those names. Yeah. I I mean, yes, the kids love the <laughs> Louisiana Purchase. But it was a very popular show in its infancy. I mean, the promise of seeing Superman on TV and all those special effects was was quite interesting. In execution, they were very cheap special effects, and Superman could basically do a super thing for about 20 seconds a week uh, as as far as the budget would go. Not, and he, Dean Cain looked like an all right Superman. He wasn't a bad Superman. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but uh, as for the mullet talk, I will say uh, Nina Matsumoto also said she actually is a pro-long hair person person on superman because uh the dan jurgens they mention that was the mastermind of the death of superman story and Hmm. it was he was i believe the first person to draw long hair to superman and uh dan jurgens uh he's a good creator i i respect him and on twitter whenever he does get defensive about people saying like oh that stupid mullet he's like it was drawn to be him with just long hair Uh, but other artists drew him with having short classic superman short hair up front but long hair in the back that turned into the mullet dan jurgens uh, did not draw him with a mullet but others did he had a hair cape in the back uh but though i i'm sorry folks who like superman with long hair i want a short-haired conservative superman that's the (laughs) superman i want like Dean Kane. Yeah, like yeah. Kane. <laughs> what great work he's put out uh, since then. Uh, let's move on to Tiny Toons. What a fun episode that was. Oh, boy. Talk about 1991 and where we were. But Joshua Marchant says, I offer a slight correction about Alaski's plucky performance being, quote unquote, just Daffy. He mentioned in interviews once vocal choice that differentiates them as Daffy has a frontal lisp, which is the tongue trilling through the lips, while plucky has a lateral lisp, which is a wet hiss from the back of the teeth. Great episode as always. Mm. I just wanted to alert you to something I never noticed until Alaski pointed it out an interview i'm sure you can find it on youtube and i know that when i hear the voices in my head he's totally right they're a different lisp yeah they are correct yeah he i i don't want to impugn the late joe 
Pulaski's incredible talent at voice acting and making Daffy and Plucky sound different. Also, Thad Komarowski commented again, uh, this time on Tiny Toons, saying, Almost all of the Tasmania episodes are on Boomerang streaming service. Better go there before HBO Max closes it down. A lot of it is not very good. Strictly mediocre, middle of the road. StarTunes did a few good-looking episodes. And, of course, the phenomenal opening, animated entirely by John McClenahan himself. That promised a dynamic, exciting show that this intentionally lower-budget show never delivered. The whole point was that these cartoons had to cost a lot cheaper than Tiny Toons, but still look good. The show did have a few genuine classics like Willy Wombat's Last Stand with a jovial titular character getting into caffeinated rage over 12 minutes in a waiting room. One episode with Stan Freeberg as a classic unimaginative executive. Some of it is better than it has a right to be, being that the blatant attempt to produce more content with the early 90s most merchandise character. Daz was only in five of the classic era shorts. But it's an example of how artist-run shows, in this case, the very talented Art Vitello can favor heavy-handed, talky, overwritten content. It's literally Jim Cummings never shutting up as every other character. I did enjoy some of the side characters, like the one played by John Astin. I think mm. it was Bull. Yeah, Bull Gator. Oh, yeah, I liked him a lot. Yeah, and yeah. he was fun. Yeah, no, I, you know, thanks for that insight into Tasmania. I look forward to doing it in the future someday. But the I never even considered it as like produce as many as Tiny Toons, except for way less. And it definitely is a cheaper looking show than Tiny Toons. That's for darn sure. And one of the characters is uh, named Francis X. Bushled. And it wasn't oh, until yeah. I was like watching classic movies that I realized like, oh, that character is par- this character's name is a parody of the actual name Francis X. Bushman, who was an actor. So oh, he's Francis wow. X. Bushled. I didn't know that, man. Who is this joke for? But this is the WB style of that era. I remember that character. He was a parody of aborigines written as a very fancy boy who dressed as a yeah ninja. he had like a thurston howell style voice yes yeah yeah but that aged really well that's uh stuff oh sorry i was looking at pictures of francis x bush lab you're like <laughs> he's kind of like a, a, a boy elmira the way Ugh. he looks i hate him even more now yeah <laughs> now we're on to reboot and batman boy 11 says i'd seen this show on ytv or as bob mackie calls it the youth programming station <laughs> a fair bit as a kid but was never really a fan of it per se it it was just on enough before between other shows I wanted to watch that I sat through a lot of it as a young kid. Revisiting it as an adult is very bizarre. I recognize that the opening to this episode was a 007 parody pretty quickly, but was still left wondering what the hell was happening. The voice acting is really good, but the show itself is not the easiest to watch, and I don't think I really check out more of it in the future. Maybe starting from the beginning would make me feel differently, but who knows? I think it was better that we start with one of the better looking, better written and more adult episodes of season three. Me than, too. Uh, I definitely, I saw some people say like, oh, I'm surprised you guys started with season three. And it was like, well, one, it was a pick of art patron, but also like season three is way better than season one and two. Like it was, I, if we're only going to do reboot once, I'd rather do one of the ones written for a middle, uh, an all ages audience as opposed to the more childish like season one episodes. Yeah. Like by the time I started hearing about reboot again, it had been off the air for me for five years like off of abc mm. and i was hearing people on the internet saying like oh man reboot's awesome have you seen reboot i'm like you're into that <laughs> it was cool for the time maybe i had no idea there were new episodes that were a little more adult so yeah 
And our final comment for this episode from Shy Ranger says, I know you guys said you weren't talking at all about Guardian Code, the sequel series, but I need to bring up how much of a train wreck it ended up as. <laughs> Here are four things that basically sum up the series and what it represents. One, the main showrunner named the main character after his son, admitting the only reason was so that his son would like it. Two, despite Reboot being a series well-known in Canada, Guardian Code was not available on Canadian Netflix, still made May not be three this sequel basically has brand new characters all around but finally had an episode to celebrate the series which basically ended up highlighting how one obsessed fan with all the negative stereotypes and that was basically it and four when this show was finally released a number of employees immediately tweeted all their grievances about how much a wreck this show was and how controlling the showrunner was they expressed that anyone with interest in reboot should not watch and support this show and if they had to watch just for curiosity wait a few months so netflix would not analyze the numbers so wow that was uh makes me want to do guardian code more honestly but see what a (laughs) disgusting wreck it is i mean that thing that he named the main character after his son just so his kid would watch it like that's a megalomaniacal move yeah well hearing about so in my research i did see that guardian code had an episode where classic reboot characters appeared in it but i didn't realize the episode centered on a bad fan who's like a fat obsessed dork who it's it's just a way of like oh if you like reboot you're this fucking loser fuck you it's a less subtle and more cruel version of comic book guy right yeah yeah which is just like why why do you got to do that especially if like you want your brand to be worth something maybe don't tell the people who give a shit about it that they're garbage like i don't know especially if they're like i bet they probably did get some negative fans who told them like eat shit or uh, had some very toxic comments to them and fine you know be nice to uh creator on twitter but that doesn't mean they have to like your show they you know it's also it doesn't mean fealty but anyway i appreciate shy ranger giving us an update on guardian code i didn't want to talk too much about it with woolly because it seemed to genuinely pain him yeah to yeah have to hear about he's it. really into it and uh, we thank him so much for being on the show yes and i have one more thing to add so in the background i was trying to find this and uh it was not hard to find so like we talk about kevin smith and the message board right oh yeah the view website is still online and it's Whoa. still you have to click through to get to the old site but it still looks like it did in like 1999 oh man i gotta look at this and the message board unfortunately is not up but you're brought to the splash page before that gives like all of the information is like yes kevin smith actually posts on this board yes that's actually him all of his posts will show up in red kevin usually answers questions based on the intelligence level and the innovativeness of the post so let that be an early warning to you oh wow. so there's like all these rules and like yes it's actually him please do not ask for a job please do not ask to be in a movie do you really think that we would offer you a job or a part in a feature film based on a post on a www board wow uh wow. but yeah i want to say it's, it's oh, I, I say bring it back bring it back online yeah why why not let's let's stop doing that twitter stuff and get on but get back on forums let's do that i I agree and not reddit i've seen people bring up that why twitter is uh driving some people crazy is because they never had forums they didn't go on forums and so they didn't know that like twitter is just forums for all reality really we're gonna wrap up here i just want to say uh thank you to everybody out there we've been Mm -hmm. doing uh well no one's dropping off if you need to we totally understand 
understand that uh, times are tough for lots of people, but uh, we're still going to be here no matter what making podcasts. We really appreciate your support. Uh, this is our full-time job and we're happy to see so many people stick around. Yes. Yeah. You know, me and Bob are able to work so hard on this. Thanks to the support of you folks. This is if, if you're new and don't know, like seriously, this is me and Bob's full-time job. We were not doing this in addition to another job and we, we want to give you guys everything and the best content possible and we are able to thanks to your support on Patreon. So, you know, we really appreciate your continued support on here. We're going to try our best to give you the best content we can, you know, even in the toughest of times. Yes, so thanks so much for listening. we got a ton of great content coming up. Most of it we've already recorded. So please look forward to that, and we'll see you next month on another episode of Talk to the Audience. See you then. Wow, infotainment.